Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Today, Andrea connects with New Zealander and music teacher, Delwyn McKenzie, to talk about her journey of faith and creativity while following God's lead through uncertain times on the mission field. She also shares an original song after the interview. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Creatively Christian. I'm your host, Andrea Sandifer, and today I am joined by a new friend all the way over in New Zealand. So Delwyn is joining us. Uh, Delwyn McKenzie is a composer. I'm going to call her a composer. She may not always call herself a composer, but... Uh, And she's also a pianist, a cellist, a double bassist, and a music teacher. So welcome, Delwyn. So good to connect today. So happy to be here, Andrea, and uh, all the way from New Zealand to Alaska. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This will be fun. It's been uh, fun to get to know you and connect a bit and just um, learn about what you're up to over there. And I really wanted to connect with you because of um, just your background and I think your background could be a huge encouragement to people um, as they grow in their own creative journeys. Mm. And so let's just kind of get started. Can you share a little bit about uh, your faith and your musical upbringing? Okay, so I was born into a musical family. My parents were music teachers and they were the local music teachers in our community area as a little country area in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand. Um, most people don't know that area very well. And uh, they used to take their um, music teaching to the local schools in the area, lots of little schools, and they'd take a, a caravan with a piano in the back as their mobile studio and park it at different schools and the children would come to their lessons in the caravan. And so we would often join them after school by uh, school bus and wherever they were, my sister and I, and uh, we'd uh, sleep in the back of the caravan while the lessons were going on and later in the, in the evening, and then they'd go home. So they could have kind of did those little community uh, lessons. But um, that that's whole area was a, a beautiful little community. The, the faith um, that we had as a family um, was shared by this lovely little community church um, of about a hundred, mostly farmers, dairy farmers, um, and uh, they supported um, seven missionary families. And this uh, was what I grew up with. And we would get all these missionaries would come back on um, furlough and share their stories. And so I, uh, I grew in my faith and my interest in, in missions actually from that that time. So w- along with that, all of us, all of our, uh, my siblings and I learned music. My mother was our music teacher. Lessons were sporadic, I have to say, but <laughs> uh, we did get through exams and we all learned in different ways. I think being the youngest of five, I was given a bit more freedom than the others were. She was a much more of a traditional kind of music teacher, but she tolerated my, my mucking around on the, on the piano <laughs> that I used to do more than my siblings uh, had uh, the older ones. So that's uh, a little bit about where I grew up. Yeah. I love that. The privilege of being the fifth. Uh, you just had a bit more freedom. <laughs> yep, I, I did. 
Well, it sounds like my son, uh, my daughter, when she did piano lessons, it was very much a structured time. And, uh, and then when my son tackled it, I I only have the two and his freedom level was so much more than my daughter's. It's just funny. Interesting. eh? Yeah, Yeah. it is so interesting. So, okay. So you, you touched on it, the missions, uh, can you share, like, how did God call you forward into serving overseas and, you know, what surprised you about your time um, doing that? Well, I guess I wanted to be a doctor when I was, uh, when I first got on my mission call was when I was about nine, because the, the, most of the people we saw coming through were doing some kind of medical mission. Hmm. But by the time I got to being a teenager and learned a bit more about missions, um, I developed an interest in the whole idea of um, ethnomusicology, the study of music and culture, and how Uh, people could be encouraged to use their own musical styles to worship and what was all that about and how did you do that so I was interested in pursuing that Uh, so I went and um, head and did my music degree um, majored and started majoring double bass but switched to composition which was a was a real good thing because the composition really laid a, a great framework for ethnomusicology later down the track but Mm -hmm. um then I met my dear husband Robin around about that time and he'd done a linguistics degree and we were searching um for God's heart for what we should do as a couple and he said what do you do with a linguistics degree I said well have you heard of Wycliffe Bible Translators that's uh they do Bible translation and they have linguists and oh yeah so we looked into that Long story short, we ended up with Wycliffe and went off to train and headed over to Indonesia to work on um, a Bible translation in the island of Sulawesi. So um, I didn't get to go and study uh, ethnomusicology after my my degree. I knew there was a course in Wheaton at the time, a two-year ethnomusicology course. I'm not sure if it's still there. Uh, And I was very interested in doing that as a postgraduate course. Um, so I guess that was a surprise. I, I went to the mission field as, you know, we both did linguistic training. It wasn't my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and I felt that when we went there, I was leaving my music behind. I'd kind mm. of just trained and I was leaving it behind, but I, that was hard, I, I think. And um, no, there was the town we first went to, I think there were 10 pianos in the entire t- city. Um and I think I had the opportunity to play one at the local radio station one time. And that was it. I know there was, I had no keyboard, no piano, nothing. So that was a pretty big change because I'd always had access to a piano. Yeah. So um, and we had young children um, and I, I've been writing songs all through um, since, since I was about 11, I suppose, when I first started fiddling with that idea Um but what was what surprised me was that when we went to um, live in the village setting, and I just had to reach out to the Lord with my creativity and my songwriting and so on. But I had no piano, and I mm-hmm. thought you couldn't create anything without a piano. <laughs> well, I start so I started singing um, and creating better melodies than I'd ever created before because I created melodies first. Yeah. And I'd go back and by this time, my mother had found out I didn't have access to a piano and she had arranged to send a piano a keyboard 
And I wasn't very impressed because I, at first of the idea, because back then keyboards were terrible. Right. <laughs> but she had found a pretty good Roland um, and it's, you know, and, and it was a, a pretty good keyboard for the day. And she got the top of the range that she could get and sent it to us. Uh, so I would go back from the village and there was the piano, you know, yay. And uh, able to minister to our group and worship times as well. That was great. Um, but then I put the harmony in afterwards. So it was like I created with my melody, um, absolutely bereft of anything else mm-hmm. in a way. But then I had this delight of putting the harmony in afterwards. And it really improved my songwriting. So that was an interesting um, side issue that happened there. But I think the... Um, the whole thing of um, going to the field without um, taking my music with me in a sense and not knowing if I'd ever be able to do anything with the ethnomusicology side of things was all a bit unknown. Mm. Um, and then later, later, I guess another surprise was when our kids were getting older and they start, we ended up in the Philippines to finish the project um, they went to the local faith academy school there, a little wee school uh, that had a few teachers and they didn't have anybody teaching music. And they said, would you teach music? And I said, yep, sure. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> actually not? a trained, wasn't a trained teacher, but they had a good curriculum that came from the US and I was so impressed with it. Um, I love teaching from it. And then at the end of the year, they said, could we do something kind of special for the parents, you know, like a musical or something? And, and I, I looked into purchasing something and it was way harder than creating something. So I ended up creating something. And um, then that, the upshot of that was six musicals later. Um, <laughs> we wrote. <laughs> so I never expected to be writing um, musicals when we went to the mission field. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fun. I love that it was it was easier to create them than find what you wanted. And I've heard that from <laughs> authors too. Like they can't uh-huh. find the book they want, so they write it. And I'm like, good exactly. for you. <laughs> yeah. A bit like that, eh? And yeah. it's so funny. And I, I wanted to circle back because I totally agree with you. Like um, melody writing uh, is so much stronger. Like if if I sit, just this past week, I didn't have a piano with me because we were traveling and uh-huh. um, very remote. And uh, But I had a lyric that I was developing for a psalm setting. And then it forces me then while I'm away to mm. just think through how would I sing this? How, how would mm. I want to hear this melody come out in these words? How do I want to connect the music. And now my job this week, now that I'm back home is to then enjoy that process. Like you were saying, sit down at my keyboard, my piano and figure out what chords fit best with this. What, what is the music sound to accompany this melody that um, feels solid? So I agree. It's, it's a very good um, yeah. Tip for anybody looking to get stronger in your melodies, try to stay away from the guitar and the piano for a while and just sing it how it should be sung and then yeah, try give to it stick the shower test. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I love that. Very good tip. Um, so musicals and everything. I love that, that uh, that's kind of a direction that God took you. Um, and then in that, did God, um, 
did he teach you anything about that impact of music and in strengthening the faith of others um, that you didn't realize before your time doing that overseas? Yeah, I think that whole thing of uh, studying music and culture and encouraging people to express their faith through their own music and their own lyrics was is all was always on my heart, and it was theoretical at that stage. And then uh, when we were in the community for a while and we were working on language learning and developing the language alphabet and things that weren't there before we could even start translation, that was a whole process that we went through. And um, the the thing I noticed was that they would sing um, translated hymns in church and they were never their own language. And the whole idea of even worshipping in their own language was foreign to them. And yet the their own language was very vigorous. And so uh, we noticed that the, the church services, the notices were in the local language uh, so that every under, everybody understood what was happening. But the worship service and the message and the songs was all in the national language. So it didn't seem to have any meaning to them, but they, they were going through the ritual and it mm. seemed to to be what was required. So anyway, I had an opportunity that came up. Um, I was, I'd, I'd gathered some songs by this stage and uh, the Lord opened that up in a beautiful way. Um, we tried to find out what their own music was and if they had any traditional music or any of their old music. Oh, no, 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 we don't sing that anymore. And then one day, uh, not long after, we'd, we'd come into the village um, and our host family greeted us to say that their daughter had died in childbirth and they just buried her and we thought wait a minute what daughter and we found out it was an adopted daughter that we didn't know about Hmm. and um that was part of their um system of caring for each other when people died and um so she had become she had been their adopted daughter she'd grown up got married and um so here they had this little baby and our son was our second son was 18 months at the time and I was still nursing him and um, and they had nothing for this little baby except a wet nurse down uh, in the village. And so we were staying there, and I said, "Well, if if I can, you know, help nurse him, and you know, if that's any help to you, I knew it wouldn't be anywhere near as what a newborn needed, and he was so tiny." And so in the night they called on me, and so on, and, and whatever. And one day, um. Uh, we were sitting down in our house below the the house upstairs and we heard the hostess singing a song. And and I turned to my husband, Rob, and I said, that isn't hymns ancient and modern. Right. (laughs) That is something completely different. And we raced upstairs and said, what is that? And she was singing to this little baby. And um, and she kind of kind of reacted and said, "Well, it's one of our lullabies that the grandparents used to sing to the children, you know." And she was a little concerned at our reaction. And because we were considered the Dutch, they the missionaries back in the day had established the church there. She thought we would not approve of their music so they had told us this was this was some time after we'd been there they had told us there was no original music and here it was and they she thought we would not approve of it Mm. and we said that is so beautiful 
can you can you do you have any other songs like that and then she said well yes we've got lots so in that next two-week period we did this whole raft of recording they came all out of the woodwork they came in their traditional clothing they even created a song for us because we'd come across the mountains and whatever and entered their language and all this music came out of the woodwork um and we recorded it and so I had this body of material and the interest had grown in their own music you know just even by us wanting to record it and take an interest in it mm. which is as a side issue you know I've had a lot of people say oh I'm not music I couldn't encourage somebody musical I couldn't encourage somebody to do this I said you know all it takes is to show absolute enthusiasm for somebody and that applies for a parent who's teaching whose child's learning a musical instrument just showing wow factor that's amazing what you can do or what you've done or what you've created it it just speaks volumes and this is what happened all this music came out of the woodwork so I was ready at that point to say okay I want to use this to to learn how to help them create their own stuff because they couldn't see it a way of doing that. So I was able to go to this course in Dallas for a five-week course. Um, and uh, I came back really with practical ways of how to analyze this music, how to recreate recreate the uh, the the songs that they had mm. and in some way. So um, I ended up cr- creating a, a piece based on what I'd learned a scripture I made it a scripture song we had some scripture translated by the stage and we went back to the village and um when when we got there the usual thing on a Sunday is we'd go to church and we were always asked as a family to sing in the service it was just announced from the front that the Mackenzie family are going to sing Papa and Mama Fraser are going to sing <laughs> it was never asked we just knew it was going to happen so this time we were ready and uh, we had this song that we, the kids had all learned. We'd all learned to sing. And it was in their language. And it was uh, scripture in their language. So the service went on. It was a very traditional style service. And the ladies got up and they sang their Indonesian song. And the Mackenzie family were asked to sing. And we sang the song. Well, they're after the service. Because they didn't say anything during the service. The service had to finish its formal thing. The ladies came up to us and said, what's this with the foreigners are singing our music in our language? <laughs> you know, can you teach us that song? Uh, yeah. And so it was a wet Sunday afternoon and we said, sure, let's come and, uh, mm. and let's, let's do this. So, um, so the, the, um, that, that began an interest in them actually creating their own um, music. Not a lot has happened, but um, I ended up writing a number more more scripture songs, and one of our co-translators um, took those, um, and he Indonesianized them for me. He kind of, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it the way he did it, but it didn't matter. It was all about being a, a catalyst for whatever they wanted to do. And he made a DVD with his wife doing Indonesian dancing and all all this sort of stuff that they wanted to do. And he 
took this off to the village and they they played these songs. We I was a little embarrassed at how 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 it was put together because from my framework wasn't great or anything. I didn't think the graphics were good. I didn't think, you know, God's bigger than than what we think. And it just went through like wildfire through the village. Oh. All these the heat everybody wanted these DVDs. And the young people started singing these songs. So it 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 began something. Yeah. And the process is still happening. But when we left in 2004 after the New Testament dedication there, um, one of the things that was a just absolute thrill to my heart was that um, one of the congregations that came to the dedication, um, their contribution was a young man who stood up and extemporaneously gave a worship song in the mm. local language. And to me, that was incredible, you know. So small beginnings, but, you know, God's bigger and it's in his hands how it goes from there. But that was um, uh, wonderful. And then I also had the opportunity of working with some of the other language groups from other colleagues and their co-translators and working with them. Uh, the ones that were wanted to would set up a time with me. And this was once we were in the Philippines mm. where we had all these co-translators from different language groups in Indonesia were gathered there to work on translation so we we're all in one place so I was able to have uh, sort of mini seminars for these different translators working on their translations to encourage them to see how they could use their own music to create new songs and so um so that composition degree the all yeah. all of my background everything kind of went into the mix of what we did during that season it um, really did and when you went, you mentioned this, like when you headed there, you weren't sure where the music was going to fit in. And, really didn't know. Uh, I love that. And I, and I love how it started with something small, like a lullaby yeah. and it just, uh, and just overcoming the, the history of that area too, of, you know, um, encouraging the people forward and out of their, their fear of, um, doing something wrong. And, and I think mm. for me, that's, it's a huge encouragement to, um, you know, because as a Christian songwriter, um, the power of music in our own language, I'm thankful oh, yeah. for my songs. Mm. Um, and I can't imagine my bank of songs about my faith being in a language that I wasn't connected with. Exactly. That is so striking. So I think as, as creatives, we can continue to encourage each other in whatever language it is to, to be worshiping, to be writing, to be sharing in our own voices and our own languages. And um, that there's power in, in our faith growth. Um, I'm sure you saw the faith of those people come alive in a different way once yeah, it was in I their own so. language. Yes. So and it, I mean, it was a combination of the music and the translation, I think, yeah. that, that did that. Um, and one of the things I came to realize, I, I remember having a conversation with one of our colleagues who told a story um, of a, a group that went to be missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And he said that they were there 15 years and they uh, and, and one, uh, one of the people from the community came and said to the missionary, We've got the church, we've got the school, 
we've got this. It says, where is the cargo? For 15 years, they had done everything that the missionary had wanted them to do. Um, because their focus was, we want what you have mm. in terms of the material wealth that they saw. And I said to my colleague, I said, you know, if they had have had, um, if their faith had, if there had been a true change mm -hmm. and there had been a real change in their understanding of faith, it would have come out in their musical expression, in their artistic expressions. Because I think that's one of the signs of true um, faith working and changing and moving in our lives is that we can't help but express creatively. Yes. And I just thought that, that, that in missions, I don't believe people really understand the impact of music, of creativity in missions, because if it's not happening, then the message hasn't got through yet. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Ah, another good story. I'm sure you have like... <laughs> A million stories and we should, we, we should I'll have, try and keep it down. <laughs> I know it's so hard and we're, we're just going to have to have you back because we're going to just need to ask about more stories. I love them. I love every single one. Um, okay. So now you are not in the Philippines and you're not in Indonesia. You are back in New Zealand. Uh, yeah. what creative work do you undertake now? And you know, what kind of challenges did you face as you shifted back to life in New Zealand? Oh my goodness! It, they talked about re-entry stress, but I I mm -hmm. didn't realize realize what it would be like. It was definitely harder for my children, and we felt quite strongly that uh, when our um, our eldest son um, was finished high school, um, that we should come back for a time and help our kids settle in, and that was the right thing to do. Uh, they really needed that. We were, after all, adjusting them to their foreign country, not their home country. Um, because we'd raised them overseas um, mm -hmm. as third culture kids um, New Zealand was not their home uh, so there were all sorts of strange things Kiwis did you know we ate fish and chips you know and and I was excited that we might actually eat more potatoes and <laughs> and and they would say mom I'll put the rice cooker on <laughs> uh, so there were adjustments there but um, I think they Overall, they did well, and it, it was helped by the fact that we were here. We we knew of stories of colleagues who dropped their kids in the home culture and gone back to the field and had to come back and do damage control. We knew that that was an issue hmm. um, for some families. So we wanted to make sure we did that right. Um, we jokingly said as we were leaving this whole amazing world of Bible translation, um, uh, you know, what are we going to do when we go back to New Zealand? And Robin, my husband said, well, I'm going to wash dishes and you're going to teach music. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he just wanted to do practical stuff. He had <sighs> sat behind a computer for a long time and he just wanted to do practical, ordinary things. So uh, a friend working as a principal said, uh, you know, what's Robin? He was also on our missions committee in our church. He said, what's Robin going to do? Now he's back and, and I said, oh, I, think, <laughs> I think he wants to do something practical. He doesn't want to be a caretaker, does he? Um, so he actually went off and was a caretaker for 10 years. And, and, and meanwhile, I was trying to find out, well, where do I start? And, you know, 
Andrea, God is so faithful. We, um, we'd been gone out of the New Zealand scene for 20 years, thereabouts, pretty wow. much. And I thought, how do I start all over again? And I went to the local music shop, uh, one of the local music shops, and said, look, I just don't know where to start. I've, um, I'm starting as a music teacher over in this area. Um, you know, just thought maybe I could just register here if you get people asking if they need a piano teacher, give me a call. He says, oh, you're over in that area. Have you heard of uh, this lady? And I said, uh, no, I don't know her. And they put me in touch with her. She said, they said she teaches over there in that area. And I contacted her and she said, Delwyn, we were at university together. My married name is now this. <laughs> she said, I know there's a job coming up right near where you are at a, a, a government school there. They're looking for a new director oh. um, for the music school. And, um, and so I rang up the chairman of the board. Oh, no, I rang up the current uh, director. And uh, as I'd said to her, I know him. He played the trumpet when our youth orchestra came to Christchurch <laughs> for us. So I rang him up and he says, yeah, we're looking for a double bass player. Nice to hear, hear from you again, he says. And I uh, says, yeah, no, I am leaving this job. Um, if you want to um, contact the uh, chairman of the board, his name is, and I said, I know him. He was a <laughs> so in three conversations, yeah. I had people who knew me really well 20 wow. years earlier. Wow. And I walked into the interview and the next day they offered me the job. And so it was like, there we go, 20 years, absolutely completely, completely out of the loop. I had no idea where to start. I, had, I really didn't. I just was so fragile in this whole thing of starting mm. again. And, um, and it was just one conversation led to mm. another and God just guided my footsteps um, I, right from when I was quite young, um, a favorite proverb of mine is Proverbs 16, three, and it says, uh, commit your way to the Lord and your plans will be established. And I just think the Lord was so faithful, not just when we went to the mission field, but as we came back. And I think one of the big lessons I learned when I came back was, um, I need to learn. It's not what you do that defines you. It's that you know that you're a child of your heavenly father. And that that's where you need to be. Don't worry about the job you do. That's by the way. And I'm learning that again now, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in these changing times. Well, maybe it's a time for a change of job again. And I'm in that fragile place again, you know, mm -hmm. wondering what's next. And, um, it, but at that time, um, yeah, we went through 13 years with that school. And during that time, I developed my own school and um, my own pupils as well um, and when we had an earthquake another story we had an earthquake <laughs> um, that destroyed our home along with 10,000 other people in our city uh, back in 2010 uh, we weren't able to rebuild on that spot so um, we ended up um, ha having to find a new location where the insurance company would rebuild our house mm. so we're 13 miles out of Christchurch now in a beautiful setting we didn't really want to come here um, but that meant I, I uh, struggled to keep teaching at the government school. So the, um, I'm teaching more privately now um, from my home 
and uh, going as a contractor into schools uh, until recently. So, um, yeah, so that's that. That was just God's graciousness and in, in, in re bringing me back to a completely different um, situation from being on the mission field. Yeah. yeah. I love your example of how God opened those doors um, through those conversations. But I think some my biggest take home and what you just said was, um, you know, knowing our identity as uh, children of God, that being our primary anchor and the job, not necessarily being exactly. the definition of who we are. Um, if we can mm-hmm. be anchored in our identity as children of the Lord, mm-hmm. um, everything else will be fine. And um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a, that's a huge encouragement today. Um, mm. Okay. So you, you do teach um, and I know you do teach remotely. So how do you, how do you do that? Let's just talk practicality for a minute. Um, what have you found effective during, you know, especially online learning? This is just, mm. this is what everybody's doing. What have you found effective mm. in doing yeah. all of that? Well, the, um, this going into um, uh, online lessons, ha- we've all done that with lockdown. And um, I got my first experience with that when I had a couple of students here uh, heading off um, on a sabbatical to China. And um, their uh, ch- children's father was uh, working at the local university. And um, so he had a, an opportunity to go over there for a year. And his um, their mother's... Um, part Indonesian so she and I converse with an Indonesian which is kind of fun fun. (laughs) Um, and uh, she said can we carry on lessons while we're over there can we maybe carry on with you know this was before lockdowns and everything it was actually the year before everything happened with lockdowns I said yes we can (laughs) didn't know how we were going to do it yeah we'll figure it out we'll do it (laughs) so that was fantastic because I had her kids they just did so well and um I remember having a duet one time over zoom which I haven't actually had much success in since but doing a wee duet with one of the children um on zoom as well um so anyway uh, they came back and we we're all excited to co- go into real lessons again. And here we were, hadn't lost much. Um, I think the whole, um, yeah, because needs must, it happened. And so soon after that, we all went into lockdown unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And she and I laughed at each other and said, well, we know what to do, don't we? we? Know. <laughs> <laughs> and most music teachers didn't. And um, I just immediately put all my students onto Zoom lessons mm. And I think it's it's okay for a, a short period of time. And I think um, it, it, it served us well. Some children really didn't, really didn't find it very easy. Um, and it just didn't work um, for, for some. Um, and getting set up and having all, all the right angles and things. Right. But it also taught us some interesting things. Like I, I uh, found out that one of my students, had no idea why she was struggling when she came to her lessons at the school and um, always seemed a little bit unsure of her notes and I found out that her piano at home was um, badly out of tune so it was it was mostly in tune with, with itself but B next to middle C sounded the same as middle C oh my goodness big difference and she was hearing that and going, well, that's not what it sounds like at home. Yeah. Oh. But she she wasn't able to convey, 
didn't see that that was something she needed to tell me about. But right. it wasn't until we did a Zoom lesson that we figured out right. what's Ooh, going on. There it is. <laughs> and if parent wasn't involved with as much. So then that made it hard. So yeah. I, I just love working with parents. I love, you know, this three-way work of it just works the best mm. um, where, where you've got parents who are really involved, even if they're not musicians. Um, the, one of the reasons I started my blog was because I wanted to help parents of students understand how they can really support their, their students. So a lot of my early blogs are kind of things that are practical, like, you know, listen, ask your child straight after their lesson, you know, what they've had today and, and, and just practical things of doing it that day, not five days later and things like that just yeah. simple things that might maybe some of us musicians take for granted but are not Truly. necessarily out there yeah and that's that's definitely one of the reasons I was really drawn to talk to you as a parent of kids you know I'm trying to encourage their musicality and um mm. I, I honestly I haven't gone and read all of those blogs I want to now though like I <laughs> I want to um be equipped to help my kids in the best way possible. And um, so let's just kind of skip to that real quick. Cause I, I, and we'll come back to the other question I wanted to ask you, but what are some of those biggest, the hurdles that you see parents face um, in encouraging their children uh, in their music education? Yeah. I think that one of the biggest ones that just keeps cropping up um, is um, all the distractions of life. Yeah. It's just, you know, there are so many, I mean, some of my kids are horrified when I tell them that when I was growing up, uh, I was expected to do an hour's practice a day when I was aged eight. So, really? You know, what kind of parents did you have? <laughs> <laughs> no. um, good ones, as it turned out, um, yes. you know, I, I, and I just, so that, and that was considered minimal, actually, it wasn't yeah. considered, that wasn't considered a serious musician you know um and uh that was just maintaining getting along and learning making the progress so i think my uh my challenge is to help uh help parents realize that they do have to have a regular time they do have to have uh encouragement and they do have to do repetition Mm -hmm. i mean repetition and learning is you know it's always got to be fun it's got to be this but i think you know my kids i had i have three children and uh, one of them became a jazz pianist the other two did different things they kind of one of them actually was the one who helped me uh, get into the online course and mm. creating my online course and all that um so he's been fantastic and really wanted me to to do this and then uh, my youngest learned double bass and singing and piano but uh she had some dyslexia issues so that's been another whole area i've been exploring um and uh, discovering my own my own issues there which I didn't realize were there until you know until uh she got diagnosed so that's Mm. another whole side issue um which I actually realized in creating my course I had some of those back issues that I put into my course that were actually helpful for children uh with some of those issues so um yeah uh, so the other thing is eye distraction. Now, this is a funny one. Um, I sit and watch my students who are learning to read, especially near the beginning stages, and I'm just sitting in an angle so I can watch their eye movement on the page. And students, are, uh, children these days are 
watching a lot of screens. And I think their eyes flicker around a lot. And so the whole process of reading that note, that note, that note, that note, that note, ad nauseum, is hard for them. Yeah. It's harder than it was for me. And I was bad enough because I wasn't as good as my siblings. Um, But um, I realized that that's actually something I really do focus on with my very first beginners. So that eye distraction thing is, 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 and so I'm looking to see that they're actually making that process. Their fingers are on the, on the keyboard. Um, They're not looking down because that distraction of looking at a whole lot of horizontal lines with little black dots, (laughs) then flashing down to vertical, big, fat uh, rectangles, um, black ones, and white, white vertical lines in between. You know, if you're flicking your eyes between that, you're getting yeah. confused. So we, that's why we cover our hands while we are actually learning to read. Um, so if I'm doing my learning to read pieces, I'm really focusing on those particular issues. Mm-hmm. I have separate pieces for teaching them how to play by ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't actually combine those two skills at the beginning. Um, interesting. And, and I've found that works really well. Because, you know, yeah, sure, let's learn how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. You've heard this melody. Let's mm-hmm. use these three black notes here. They're nice and clear. You can see where they are. Let's use these three fingers and, 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 and watch me listen and we'll learn Mary Had a Little Lamb. First lesson on the first page. Uh, but we're going to do a different piece on that same page that you're going to learn to read from. Mm-hmm. So, um uh, yeah, so those those are things I've just learned through the years um, have have made a difference to beginners actually making a really positive start. Um, so interesting, and I can imagine for even adults. Um, so you know, we have a lot of uh, adult Christians listening in on this distraction. Um, mm. Is definitely probably a hurdle for most of us too, and absolutely. Um, you know, I was even noticing I was, I, I tried to be good on the airplane this past week and not play on my phone the whole time and actually pick up a paper book where and read <laughs> it. Um, but good goodness. I was, I was shocked at how um, distracted I was. And even like, uh, it took me a while to, uh, and I'm not a, I've never been a fast reader, but it took me a while to even process well like I I'm out of the I was out of the practice of reading um it's amazing how those that that muscle um of focus can be lost so easily and so I think that's a good reminder to anyone um just to to make sure uh we're not letting distraction uh come in and bombard our productivity or our effectiveness too much. So that's, that's really interesting. It makes sense for my son too, especially because um, mm. he's Mr. Distraction. I have a feeling, so I'll have to pay attention to some of those things. So I think oh. how learning a music, a musical instrument instrument is actually helping any of us who do that. Yes. It, you do have to focus. And so if you mm. learn to focus on something that you're going to enjoy learning to do, then that's a win-win actually. You're yeah. going to help, help both those skills, aren't you? Yeah. You know, you're going to learn to play something enjoyable actually down the track. And, um, but you're also going to help yourself learn how to stay focused on a, on a task. 
That's good. Yeah. Yes, everybody pick an instrument. Let's let's do it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to grow some more musicians in this group. I have a feeling this is good. Great. So you're never too old either. Absolutely. Uh, never too yeah. old to learn. So, yeah. all right. Well, um, Delwyn, just isn't because I know this is true. So I can't wait for your story on this, but have you ever faced um, a situation where you were unsure of where or how to serve? And um, I think we've all kind of come up against situations like that. And how did God lead you through that situation? Yeah, I think um, even, even when we were, you know, first going out to the mission field, that was, um, how was it going to work for me was, was a challenge in a way, you know, that was a leap of faith, I think, because I basically was looking into a, what was known then as a, at least a 20 year project of something that, I mean, I didn't do well at linguistics, um, but we were a team and that was absolutely. Um, and, um, and I'm, when I look back on that now, uh, it down the track, I say, I'm so grateful that God gave me the courage and the faith to still go as uh, as that role, even if it didn't fit me at that time, because I have seen so many different seasons through my life where God has, has allowed me to flourish in, in a beautiful way at the right time. Hmm. But I think there are times when we've got to be obedient to do the routine, the routine of just walking with the Lord, Keep reading that Bible, keep praying, keep trusting he's going to take us through, you know, because um, I, I think now I would have missed a fantastic adventure if I had said, well, there's nothing in this for me. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to be looking after kids for 20 years, you know, <laughs> right. um, homeschooling. Oh, I was yeah. never, <laughs> never any good at that. Um, even homeschooling, God rescued me from from that because we, when we ended up in the Philippines, there was a little school there. I mean, mm. I, I didn't see that coming. There's a verse that in, in um, uh, Psalm 50, I think it is, Psalm 50, 23. I, I, it's, a, it's about thankfulness um, and, you know, giving, giving thanks as a sacrifice. And I think it's a funny sort of thing to think of when a, sacri- a sacrifice of thankfulness, it's a strange sort of thing because a sacrifice is something um, that is horrible in a way. It's mm-hmm. hard. It's difficult. It's um, yeah. But to, at a time when you're going through something difficult or unsure or uncertain or whatever to, to give that thank offering, to God and say, Lord, Lord, I thank you that you know the future. You know what I'm going through. You know how this is going to end. You know um, the best for me. I'm going to thank you in this situation, mm-hmm. in these circumstances. Um, and this this verse says, he sacrifices thank offerings, honors me, and he prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. You know, so you think, well, that that thing that is uncertain, that is difficult, it's a preparation time if we are offering that with true thankfulness 
to our heavenly father who knows what's really best for us. If we're nestled in his arms, then um, there'll be a come, a come a time where he's going to use us to show his salvation to those around us, uh, those people that he's bringing us in, in contact with. And it may not feel like anything like that at that place of uncertainty. It's Truly. far from it. It's yeah. kind of like you want to run from anything. I cannot see God using this. Long story short, that moving to the Philippines became a doorway instead of a window for us to work really well on the translation in the mm -hmm. following years. We were able to bring co-translators to the Philippines and we we're in a stable setting where the kids could go to school and we were able to make real progress on the translation. And the young men that came from the community um, uh, to live with us for um, uh, good periods of time um, have now become leaders in the community. Mm. Um, then now, when we went back a few years back in 2016, we went back and all of these, they dotted around these young men that we had an impact on um, were, were clearly leaders in the community now. Mm. Um, so, you know, we, we couldn't have seen any of that, you know, no. those yeah. early days, just couldn't have seen any of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, God is faithful and uh, we just took one step at a time, took the next step that we had to take and he, he, he did the rest. Yeah. Through mud puddles and everything. Sometimes Absolutely. you just have to keep walking. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh goodness. Well, Delwyn, um, yeah, as we wrap up, we'd love to hear more about like what you're up to right now. What creative project okay. are you working on right now that you're excited about? Um, well, actually, we Robin has written our story. He's an excellent writer. Oh. And he has actually, amidst washing dishes. Right. <laughs> and being the school caretaker. He's such oh. a dark horse. Um, <laughs> he, he, um, he's written all the lyrics to my books as well, my music. Uh, so I would write the pieces that I needed for my course and I, with the music that I wanted to teach. Yeah. And then he would put cute lyrics to them. Because um, so many piano books have lyrics that have clearly been kind of thrown together and are not fun to sing. And so children often don't sing with their learning. So that's mm -hmm. just another side thing. Uh, but anyway, he's written our story. And uh, what we want to do is um, uh, put it together. Where we're calling it Songs on the Journey. And um, so we've gone through songs that I've written over the years. Um, through this whole process of the translation and so on. And um, we want to put those together in a way. Um, my daughter-in-law is a lovely singer. I'm not. Um, and she's offered to sing the songs uh, for us. And so we might just try and get a simple recording of them that can yeah. go along with the, the story. So uh, that's in its, um, he, he's in the stages of, you know, going through how to publish that. It's written. Uh, he's done a fantastic job. Um, it really fun. is beautiful. Um, but to have the songs as part of it is uh, something that we wanted to 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 do. Yeah. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to being able to enjoy that because <laughs> I, yeah, I love all your stories. So bring them on. Yep. I love it. Yep. So, so the other yeah. thing is, um, I've, I've got a. Um, uh, maybe the most, the, the, yeah, it was the most recent. I did write a silly little children's, um, I, 
I guess I would consider it as sort of like a Sunday school sort of song. Mm. Uh, when we're in the middle of lockdowns, there is no lockdown in my soul because Jesus set me free. <laughs> <laughs> but a <laughs> little it. bit of a little bit of frustration there, you might hear. Yeah, um, but there was I think a, we also, all feel it. <laughs> but uh, but also kind of let's declare what what's going on here. I'm not mm. locked down in my heart if mm. I just really come to realize it. That's that was one, but the other song is one I'd like to share with you is um, Psalm 121, and um, I was sitting with this one, and I think the thing about this song is that uh, as I was writing it, I didn't want to. It wasn't for anybody in a sense. I didn't have anybody in mind when I was writing it, and I, I think, as a songwriter, Andrea, you may, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying here. Sometimes when you're writing something, you, um, you've you got somebody in mind or you're writing it for a purpose or there's an occasion or something. And so you frame it around that. But there are other times when you're writing a song and it's just where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's just what you're going through. And it's what you read today in the word or something. And it doesn't actually have to be shared. So in, in a sense, I don't think this is, I'm not giving you my best song maybe, but I'm giving you what's um, uh, what's current in a sense, and I I decided I'm not going to worry whether anybody thinks these are old-fashioned chords or it sounds twee or whatever whatever somebody might think about it. I'm not bothered about that. I'm just and I've been singing this. This is the unusual thing about this song. I have been singing it a lot because it's really helped me yeah. through the season I'm going through. And so that's, it's, it's a little bit of a me song, if you like, but um, when you asked about, um, you know, what I've been doing lately, I, I think, yeah, this is maybe the best, best option, whether it's the right one or not, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. And that's, that's perfect. It's where you're at. And I, I'm convinced that when we take time as Christian creatives to share where we're at and what is flowing out of that and, you know, what we're creating out of where we're at, mm. it can bless others in a way that like we never even imagined. So maybe, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I believe that about this, this little song as well. I, I do. Uh, I think it's beautiful and I can't wait to share it with everybody. So I know we were considering having you share it live, but we can just, we can just attach that at the end of the episode. That way everybody can really enjoy that. And um, you're welcome to attach the PDF as well. that I see. Perfect. I was just going to ask you that we can include that in the show notes. So uh, Delwyn has been gracious Mm. to include um, sheet music to kind of go along with, you know, you can see the chords that she's playing um, there and, um, yeah, I, I look forward to uh, enjoying that even at my piano, uh, mm-hmm. playing along mm-hmm. with you a bit too. That'd be oh, really fun. Too. So, yeah. well, how can our listeners best connect with you? So probably the best way is just through my website, uh, accentmusicschool.com. And uh, if you go there, there's a wee free lesson um, right up there at the front for um, from my piano course, um, because that's where I'm, I'm mostly involved with um, online. Um, so uh, if anybody's interested in knowing more about my piano course, my beginner piano course, that's, uh, they can go through the free lesson and then you, that puts you on my mailing list, but you're very welcome to, to contact me, Delwyn at accentmusicschool.com. 
um, I'm more than happy to talk over what people's um, uh, situation is. And if um, if they're interested in a combination of uh, Zoom calls and my course, that's kind of how I'm sitting with my course at the moment. They can purchase the course if they want to and just go through the videos. Um, but I've, and they can contact me anytime by email as they're going through that and I'll answer their questions or jump on a Zoom call if they need to. Um, but as part of that, one of the ways I wanted to kind of make it real for people or helpful to get feedback was that at the end of each section, um, they can send in a recording of what their child's done um, for a song from that section. And I'll give immediate feedback as to, oh, you didn't count through the rests there, or maybe, you know, whatever it might be. Um, it's just a little wee a way of giving some feedback. So that's all part of the course. But if they wanted to get more than that, they can get in touch with me. Yeah. So as we close out, I would love to pray for you and what you're doing and thank, thank God for our time today. And yeah. And then everybody, we will just uh, let you listen to Delwyn's beautiful uh, Psalm 121 to close out. And, uh, but thank you for joining us uh, today, Delwyn. And let's, let's go to prayer. Thank you. Well, Father God, we thank you for this time to connect with Delwyn today and just to hear to hear wonderful, beautiful stories of your faithfulness um, through her life and uh, examples of what these journeys can look like. They can look messy, they can look confusing, but they can look exciting and they can look um, kind of amazing <laughs> uh, in ways that we never even imagined. And I think uh, it's been a huge encouragement to me as a creative to just to rest in the obedient step-by-step journey that you're calling each of us on and to trust you as our Lord, that you are writing the stories that you desire for us to live um, for your glory. And I thank you for examples um, in Delwyn's life um, that she shared today. And Lord, thank you for what she's doing there in New Zealand for her students and for those that connect with her. And uh, we pray for their book project um, coming out um, that their stories uh, would be captured well, their songs would be captured well, so that they can be um, an encouragement to others as they share. And we pray for that process, the publishing and the finalization of that, that that would come to fruition there, Lord. And um, we pray for the communities there in New Zealand as they continue to weather uh, just different mandates and difficulties um, walking through COVID right now. And um, we just pray for clear direction and peace uh, for Delwyn Mm -hmm. and her family and uh, for all of us that are walking through similar seasons right now. And we just thank you that you are uh, a constant anchor Lord through mm. all of this and that we can grip on to that, uh, mm. the reality that you are faithful you are true. Um, you are sovereign over it all and you are our Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus name. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening today. Sheet music with the lyrics to Delwyn's setting of Psalm 121 is available at theophanymedia.com forward slash Delwyn. To support the show and join our patron community, where you'll get extra access and exclusive content, visit us at patreon.com forward slash creativelychristian. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Dave Ebert, and Rachel Anna. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer did our music. And Jake Doberins produces and edits the show.